James Batchelor and you're listening to the GamesandTree.biz podcast. I'm joined this week by Gareth Coker, uh, who is a composer of several titles, most recently Ark Survival Evolved. Gareth, welcome on the show. Hi James, how's it going? Yeah, good. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, like kind of your, your history? I know you've done Ark and I know you've done Ori and the Blind Forest, but um, can you tell us a little bit more about your history, your career so far? Uh, yeah, so I, I moved out to California in 2009. Um, I enrolled at the University of Southern California, which has a film and game music program, which is uh, which is one year long. And uh, after graduating from that program, I kind of survived in the trenches for a, a few years, um, doing odd jobs here and there. Um, then in 2012, I got asked by the director of Ori, um, and it wasn't even called Ori at the time, if I would like to do a prototype for his upcoming game. And if I if I did the prototype for free, I could score the game. Um, I did the prototype, and uh, that prototype eventually became Ori in the Blind Forest. And uh, since Ori has come out, I've uh, worked on Minecraft. I've worked on Ark Survival Evolved. I've done a virtual reality title with Insomniac Games. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm now diving into the... The sequel for Ori and the Blind Forest, which is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Nice. Um, I was going to talk to you about Ori a little bit later, but I, I kind of wanted to start off by talking about um, Ark. Yes. It's quite different. Uh, so, we've previously <laughs> yes. on the show so far, we've had um, Inonza on um, to talk about composing in general, and uh, he, he, spoke, yeah. he spoke about his work on Fallout 4, etc. Um, but obviously, that's a big AAA product with a definite release date. You've composed for a title that was in early access so something that was constantly evolving and has only really just i believe has only just come out of um early access like a, you know, a couple of months ago yep um exactly one month ago actually exactly, yeah exactly. so yes august 20 august the 29th yeah so uh, what was that how did that affect the process of composing basically i mean does that mean uh, you know the, the whole point of early access is that a, a game is constantly evolving and changing and, and essentially in an alpha phase until it until it releases like was your score the same did you have kind of half a melody until the, the whole game came out well it was uh I'll say this, working on Early Access was a voyage of discovery for just about everyone on the team, um, not, you know, not just the music side, because um, I don't I don't think a game of this scale and scope has been, they've certainly been started, but they haven't been finished. Um, so, because uh, three out of four Early Access games don't make it to version one. Um, anyway, with regards to the music, um, the first piece of music that I wrote was actually the main theme and the main theme on the album is literally version one of the first thing I wrote. So I got lucky, I guess, in that the very first thing I wrote for the product is actually like the centerpiece from which everything else is built from. Um, so in that respect, I got a little bit of a bit of luck in terms of uh, how I was going to flesh out the score after starting. Now, one of the things... I learned from doing an early access title is um, is planning and scoping out for the future part of, for the future parts of development um, because when we release the initial build of the game to the public like the very first early access build the game only had two combat tracks one for the day and one for the night and that's it 
for the entire island, and it's a really, really, really big map. Now, your point as it's being early access is that, yes, it's okay because you can build on and expand on these things, but that becomes a little bit more complicated when you have hundreds of thousands of people picking up your early access title because what happens is over the course of couple of months which becomes six months which becomes a year people get used to the music that is existing in the game and even when you want to change it there actually can be something of a backlash from the community because the the music that they have become used to has now changed because there is the if they're enjoying the game they've associated a positive experience with that music. Therefore, if you're changing the music, you're kind of messing with their memories and their positive experiences. I remember when we started to move the music around in the game, so instead of having one combat track for day and one combat track for night, we had combat track for day and night but depending on which biome you're in so if you're on the beach you'll hear the beach combat music and if you're in the jungle you'll hear the jungle combat music i remember when we put it in for the first time and like i looked on twitter and the forums and it was like you've ruined the music the new music's terrible i don't like the new music and and then four weeks later is absolutely fine um like that is something which i i don't think anyone could have planned for um so i think one thing i would like to try and do in the future if i'm lucky enough to do another early access title especially one of this scale is to at least make a better educated guess as to what the game requires before jumping in um, and getting something out there for version one because having having certainly having one combat track for day and one combat track for night uh, kind of it it made things a little bit awkward when we added something in a little bit later on the other hand the main benefit of early access is and this is the 21st century like world that we live in is that gamers are broadcasting and streaming their streaming their playtime on Twitch and YouTube, which means we have access to the most insane amount of feedback that like more than we could ever possibly need. So you can kind of get a feel for where the game needs music and where it doesn't, where you can really ramp things up and where you can take a step back. Um, So in that respect, there's like a major positive. So the thing I, to to sum all that up um, I would say to any composer like working on an early access title you've kind of got to have some kind of creative vision that you kind of need to stick to um, throughout regardless of like whether it upsets your community because ultimately you need to like try and deliver something that's uh, that that covers the entire game. But you can use the community to at least uh, fine tune your vision because there will be things that you haven't thought of. I hope that that was a pretty in depth answer. No, that was good. <laughs> that, that, that seems so bizarre to me. Like, because if if a if a retail game released and there was only two versions of the combat music, like people would right. go mental. Like, and then if you then patched yes. it in later, they would then they would then be complaining. Well, this should have been in in the, in the beginning. Well, it's <laughs> funny because 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 people, yeah, because you're, you're absolutely right. If you know. And people buy the early access game with the understanding that more music will be put in. But of course, yeah, and and one of the mistakes we made is, is we waited 16 months to put in any new music um, that covered the, the rest of the island. 
but uh, um, so we probably I think I think the other the other thing I would definitely change is have instead of like big updates just have way more frequent updates so people don't get too used to don't get too used to what they're hearing because um, what I think what what ended up happening is that people people yeah people just got used to it because they were hearing it literally all the time and you're in combat quite a lot in arc so you're going to hear these it, it, it's it's just kind of a musical stinger like you're in trouble and it's time to deal and it's time to deal with that problem and so um it kind of became like the familiar uh i don't want to say fanfare but it's like it's the it's the it's the emotional equivalent of what a fanfare does it's a call to action yeah. um so if you change that it becomes an audio cue for the player i guess so they know how to yes to it exactly yeah well that makes sense that makes sense so i mean uh, obviously you expanded on the soundtrack and you 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 wrote a lot more music but what would you yes. say aside from that is like is the biggest way that the soundtrack changed over, over the course of the project um, I mean, did the did the theme or the tone or the inspiration change at all? Or as you say, you wrote that main theme first, and then everything's just built off that. Well, I think I think one of the things, and I kind of knew it was coming um, because I I did have like a rough roadmap for the, for how the game was being developed. Is the game definitely started out with the perception that it's like, hey, this is your game where you can you can interact with prehistoric creatures and you can ride a T Rex and tame a Triceratops and do all of these other cool things, but later on in the development there's a, a much stronger science fiction element enters the game um and i think a lot of the people who picked up the game early were not expecting or had simply forgotten that there was going to be a science fiction element to the game um so with that the score kind of evolved with the the direction that the the visuals of the game took so whereas you know when when we started with the game it's very prehistoric like creatures are pretty simple the items in the game are pretty simple um and then by the end you're, you're basically building by the end of development you're basically building iron man suits and um you can add all sorts of like futuristic enhancements to to your creatures and to your bases and to yourself um to to uh to make you more powerful um so while the the everything was based off the melody that I I wrote on day one, the the sound and tone of the score evolved with the development of the game, which was kind of fun actually. Because um, while it is an orchestral soundtrack, I, it meant I wasn't like completely stuck in the orchestral world the whole time. I did like, especially towards the end, like the last four tracks on the album are, have a much stronger science fiction influence, which uh, um, which like it allowed me to branch out a little bit further, especially towards the end of development, which is when uh, I, I don't want to say the well runs dry, but when you've done like a hundred minutes of combat music to do the 105th minute of combat music and make it interesting, you're kind of like, it, it can be a real struggle to, uh, to, to, uh, to try and reinvent the wheel again. Um, so having the science fiction direction to, to, to fall back on was really nice. Mm. I guess how do you convey those themes across though? Because uh, you know, uh, people associate certain tones, certain instruments, certain sounds with certain genres. At this point, you kind of you can't quite explain it, but you you could you can listen to a piece of music and say yes, that is piratey music, or no, that is fantasy music. Like, how do you mix the ideas, you know, the idea of you know, like dinosaurs with technology? kind of playing to what people expect to hear but while also trying to make something new and unexpected that is 
That is a good question. You've uh, that is, I think, the first time I've been asked that. Um, so good, good on you. Um, so I think it's I, I'm when I'm writing music for a game. I'm trying to put myself in what I think the player should be feeling at that given moment. Um, it's, it's, you, you've got to match the setting to a point, but ultimately I feel like my role, especially in a game like this is I'm not, I'm not really scripting the minutia of what the player is doing from moment to moment. I'm more like taking a big picture approach um, because a game like this, which is unscripted, it's impossible to, to script the, the minutia. Um, so I'm really thinking about the the big picture. And with that, you know, we've got the orchestra, which is basically representing the epic prehistoric world. And then towards the end, we just got a lot of synthesizers representing the science fiction world. And honestly, if you're smart about how to arrange, how to arrange the music, you can get all of these to blend in, in, in in ways in the music that you might not have thought of just because it's like well what if i combine this weird synthesizer sound and had the brass instruments play the same thing um what if i combined this violin line with a blade runnery synth sound which is exactly what i do on the overseer um and it's one of those things like you don't know if it's going to work until you try it. But if you're using what I like to do, I like to use the existing melodies that people are familiar with and then arrange them in as many ways as possible. And if you look through my other scores, it's a pretty common theme that I'm doing. Um, I'm not going to compare myself to this like in terms of ability to this great composer, but it's something that Jerry Goldsmith did as well extensively in his scores. His motto basically was if in doubt, play the theme. Now that does mean you've got to have a good theme and a good melody in the first place. But if you have a good theme, I, I'm of the opinion that a good melody can, will sound good on any instrument with any ensemble. Um, it doesn't matter if it's full orchestra or if it's a, banjo quartet with didgeridoo um like it will sound it will sound good if it's a strong melody so i the first thing i try to do is come up with a strong theme because it can act as a crutch to um to get me through the writing process for the rest of the game because i can arrange it in so many different ways Fair enough. I mean, you mentioned um, Jerry Goldsmith. Well, like, were there any kind of um, other composers that you took inspiration from, either from within games or other medium, or did you actively like kind of not listen to other composers' work in in similar fields? Because I, I guess the danger is when you're making a game about dinosaurs and you're writing the score, you really I, don't I want know to where this like is going. Do, you don't want to sound like you're doing Jurassic <laughs> Park, do you? that was the like the specific what one of the specific briefs from from the team was like we want a strong melody but we don't want it to sound like sound like jurassic park yeah uh, and i was like well and i was like well great that's that is like that is a helpful honestly if i tried to sound like jurassic park even if i did all the research in the world and and you know i still did an orchestral soundtrack but if i tried to sound like john williams it would sound like second rate john williams uh, and no one wants to sound like second rate john williams um so um my like the, the arc score i mean one of one of the the things that differentiates it um the starts differentiate is the if, if i was to, if i was to pigeonhole it into genre into like some genres i would say it's like 
cinematic tribal rock. Um, and the tribal element in particular is is very very strong in the music. If you if you go through almost the entire album, there the percussion rhythms are pretty pretty simple and have their origins in a lot of both modern dance music and old dance music or old folk music. Like the the rhythms are very tribal and very primal. Um, now that combined with the orchestra um, makes it kind of like almost kind of gets you into a trance state like most tribal or ritualistic music does um, as opposed to a traditional soaring orchestral soundtrack now the exception of course is <laughs> the main theme um, the main theme is a little bit more traditional um, but that's partly because um, I wanted to sell the idea of like you are you're on you're on this island and you don't know why you're here so it kind of is like an epic journey of discovery um, but the actual gameplay music is almost entirely tribal, except for the, the science fiction stuff at the end. Were you involved in the implementation at all, or did you simply kind of write the score and then just pass it on to the, uh, the wildcard guys? Did you get to work with them on, on where and when your music was used and triggered? The, the wildcard guys uh, were pretty... Um, they'd, they'd not give me as much access as I've had on other games, but given, given the size and how many complicated systems there are it's probably a probably a good thing that i wasn't allowed inside unreal uh, the unreal engine which is what they used to make the game um but they did have um the idea of where the music would trigger and i was making suggestions uh throughout the process but it's it's such a big game that like the, the situations in which you can trigger music are pretty limited um in terms of in combat is combat um but one of the big things we, one of the big things we get from from the community is like why isn't there ambient music in the game um and honestly the the level of complexity to get the ambient music also working with the combat music but also how are you going to have ambient music cover all of the downtime in the game like people are playing this game for three thousand hours um it's just it's just physically impossible to cover that amount of time um so Honestly, some of the decisions, it's it's as much about where to play music, but also where not to play music. Um, and, yeah, so I, my, my discussions with Wildcard were, were pretty much all done over, over Skype, um, and they implemented it themselves. Um, the implementation got fine-tuned towards the end of development, but um, music is kind of like one of the, the last things that gets polished, um, and there's still like various polished things. Honestly, we could do a little bit better. The one area where I did like kind of have uh, quite a, a stronger bit of control um, was the, the ending of the game. It is an open-world game, but there is like a defined ending, um, and that was kind of fun to score because the experience is a little bit more linear, so I I can kind of shape the player's experience a little bit more uh, on a moment-to-moment basis. Um, so so uh, yeah, limited limited uh, limited input on the implementation, but because we kept the implementation pretty simple, um, that's not been it's not been an issue. It's not really been an issue, and uh, the community seems to like how the music plays back, and it's a pretty big community. We'd and and Ark's community is pretty vocal. We'd probably heard about it by now if they weren't happy with it. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> so because uh, I, I keep I keep an eye on the forums and uh, it's uh, I, every, the, the joke about the internet is don't read the comments but I just sometimes I just can't help myself no I, I, you're only human like most people <laughs> most people who say don't read the comments are people who have succumbed to temptation and read the comments so. exactly um, now I asked about the implementation because um, obviously this is different to games you've you've composed before in that it is it's open world but it's, it's primarily a multiplayer game so the music has to adapt in most games the music adapts to what the player is doing but when you then have multiple players and multiple factors that can change what the music is doing and when the music is triggered i guess does that do you have that in mind when you're writing it or is it, is it as you say you just write combat music and you hope it works yeah i mean because the, the, because you're you're in and out of combat um, pretty frequently in arc like there's there's so many there's so many ways in which you can get into combat and I'm like you know we could have a cue for when humans are fighting you we could have a cue for when uh, one, one of the things one of the ideas that we we suggested was to have like separate combat music based on the size of creature you were fighting because there's this kind of three or four different sizes of creatures. There's obviously like the, the Titanic sized creatures, but then, you know, cause a T-Rex is big, but it's not as big as a Titanosaur. Um, and a Triceratops is pretty big, but it's not as big as a T-Rex. Um, and then there's all the tiny creatures like the Dodos, which are honestly pretty harmless and they kind of run away from you. And you, you don't really need blaring epic music when a Dodo is fighting you. So, the one thing we do have in terms of like what kind of music is playing, um, we do have light mixes and heavy mixes, um, and the the light mixes play based on, and I, I believe I believe the the danger level is assigned by like a number, um, like the the game engine takes into account um, how dangerous the current situation is based on how many creatures or how many uh, aggressive humans are in the vicinity um, and it decides whether to play the light music or the heavy music. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that but I do know that light music and heavy music plays in the game um, based on how dangerous the situation is. So that's like the one uh, slightly more granular level of implementation that we have but going any deeper than that um, and you've got potentially a lot of competing parts and competing pieces of music um, and it's just it's just so prone to bugs um, and you could and like this there's, there's many situations that you could have like two tracks playing on top of each other because the game engines deciding oh the loud uh, a heavy piece of music is playing here but now we need to trigger the soft music too um, so the approach we took is more it's more like a, a real-time strategy game. Like if you think of a game like uh, Civilization or um, the Total War series, they're just playing really great tracks in the background for the whole for the whole time, and it totally works because the goal is. The, I, I think I think a lot of players don't notice implementation, but they do notice it when it's bad. Um, I think, sadly, like good implementation is usually lost in the player. What the player wants more than anything else is simply the right feeling music to be played at the right time. And that simply means like playing a track. In the case of Ark, it means playing a track that gets them hyped or at least aware of the situation that is unfolding in front of them. Um, and I talked about this at game conferences. I think... I think um, a lot of composers and implementers get 
a bit uh, attached to crazy interactive music systems when actually sometimes a simpler solution would be better. Now, there are situations like in racing games where a highly interactive music system works absolutely gloriously. One of my favorite um, um, racing games is Wipeout. And um, I remember the, the music for that game would increase in intensity based on how fast you were going and when you did a jump it would filter out all the low end in the music and then when you landed all of the low end would kick back in there were a lot of really like nice interactive touches that helped immerse the player um but that's a racing game as opposed to arc which is hey i'm surviving in this world and I've got a big badass dinosaur army and I'm going to go and stomp on, on someone else's tribe and it's going to be terrific fun or I'm going to lose and it's going to be also be terrific fun. Um, so I'm trying to, with the music, sell fun as opposed to situations. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I guess. Um, and again, this is just my point of view um, because I, there's several other composers who will totally disagree with me on this, and that's fine. And we're all working, so <laughs> like it can prove that both approaches work. Um, so um, there's 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 uh, there's more than one way to score a game for sure. Mm, definitely. I mean, going to your point about racing games, like I kind of, that kind of intrigues me. Like it, I guess with with certain genres, you can almost predict what the player is going to do or where the player is going to be. So with exactly. a racing game or, or something, you know, so you say racing game, I think immediately towards things like, um, like car chase sequences or, or something, yep. that sort of game, you know, you, you're fairly, it's, it's fairly, a fairly safe bet that the player is going to be pushing accelerate all the way through. So you can, yep. you've got a rough idea of what time they will reach this moment or this moment or this moment. And the music can play in with that in the, in, in the track. Whereas something like Ark Survival Evolved, where it's completely organic, completely down to the player and like, no, you, you, the developers set no pacing at all. That means that you have no pacing to go by. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I mean, you can you can try and plan for that. Like, I, I think it would be, you know, honestly, it would be easier if it was like Battlefront, <laughs> where it's all combat pretty much all the time, um, because then you you kind of know that things are combat. And yes, there are going to be lulls in the combat, so then you can switch from a heavy mix to a light intensity mix on the fly. But because we're going from combat and the combat size changes all the time, and then you know you might be out of combat. Um, I think as a player, you don't want to be hearing these switches in intensity, especially if you're playing for hours and hours and hours on end. Um, you kind of you kind of want to get lost in the music for the moment, and then when it's over, it's like really over. Um, and I mean, this this is based on me playing the game because I mean, obviously with early access, I get to play the game too, um, and I think that's like super important that composers play the games they work on. Um, and I mean, also in addition to me playing myself, I can see other people playing the game on Twitch and you can just get a feel for like if things need music or not. I mean, the other thing you have to take into account, it's a dinosaur game. People want to hear the sound effects. Um, so, um, and, and if you've got 
like music all the time for the combat, um, then then um, you know the sound effects can get can get lost a little bit. Um, and there are some people who play a survival game and they don't want to hear any music at all. They want the true survival experience. Like if you or I were dropped into an island in the middle of nowhere, uh, there'd be no like speakers on the island playing playing music. So some people like want the the true authentic survival experience. And um, we're just like, okay, you can you can turn off the music and that's okay. Like most most composers would be horrified to say that, but the fact at the end of the day is we've got there's 12 i think there's 12 million people now who have bought arc is it really possible that the score is going to please every single one of them with all of the different play styles as opposed to a film 12 million people would watch the film and they would have the exact same experience they might get a different emotion from it because we all experience things differently um and our brain interprets them differently but when you're watching a film you're experiencing a to b in exactly the same way arc (laughs) like you're starting at a but that's it (laughs) fair enough and one last question on on arc before we move on um i in preparation for this i've actually been listening to the soundtrack today and yes and shamefully i come my go-to place for soundtracks is i'll go to youtube because a lot of people upload full soundtracks so i found the full arc soundtrack i started listening and you found it on my channel <laughs> i noticed that i found it on your channel which that struck me as such an odd an odd decision like, like youtube is basically giving away your music for free albeit you know in a streamy nature i mean the soundtrack is available to buy and it just struck me as odd that the the composer himself would then upload the full sound, not just like teaser tracks or like one or two yep. pieces you particularly like, but the yep. whole soundtrack. Why did you do that? Okay, so um, if I didn't do it, someone else is going to do it. Um, if you, I bet you, you can find any album on YouTube uh, that has been ripped by someone else, um, and YouTube doesn't do anything about it, um, which I think is terrible. Um, now one of the ways you can get around it is you can like all of the music is usually digitally fingerprinted. Um, so like you can pick up the ad revenue from it. However, the main reason is this is because I have the metrics from Ori in the blind forest. Um, and we don't actually, uh, we do not have any of the, um, the videos, uh, like the, the Ori in the blind forest soundtrack is not on YouTube on my channel. It's on someone else's channel. I think it has like 5 million views now, but a lot of those people convert and buy the album because the fact is you can't, you, you still don't own it. Um, yes, you can stream it and yes, you can load up your YouTube app on your smartphone. Um, but let's take Bandcamp. I sell my music on Bandcamp. You can stream the entire album on Bandcamp. Like you can preview the entire album. You can preview 90 seconds on iTunes right now for a whole album. I think you can pre- uh, preview about a minute on, um, on, on Amazon, on Spotify, you don't have to pay anything if you're willing to listen to adverts. So while I hear you, I'm like, is it that different um, on YouTube if I'm making it available for free? Because I believe if you give people the access to your soundtrack and if they like the music, they will find a way to support you anyway. Um, I... I would rather embrace streaming and get ahead of the curve because obviously because I'm the only person I, I, I'm the only person with the album on YouTube uh, because I've issued takedowns to anyone else who's tried to rip it and put it up because I'm like, Hey, this is my music. Um, 
I'm the beneficiary of getting all the views. So I get to grow my channel. So eventually, and I don't know if we'll do this for Will of the Wisp, because obviously that is dependent on Microsoft. Um, I've suggested it to Microsoft, but it's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's obviously got to go through their, uh, all their business channels, but um, it's one of those things like if we, I'd, I'd rather embrace the biggest video game, uh, sorry, sorry, the biggest video sharing community in the world by far and make it accessible because by making it accessible, you're potentially bringing in more fans and bringing in more support. The day of the album selling millions and millions of units, unless your name is like Jay-Z or Pharrell or Rihanna, I think it's over and album sales have been declining for years. I think you're going to see a trend now of people, they're still going to want to download their albums, but I think people who really want to support you, they're going to do it in by buying like collector's editions and by buying really nicely packaged physical editions of stuff. It's the reason why vinyl has seen a major resurgence, especially in soundtracks. Like there are a lot of people who are collecting vinyl. They're not really listening to it. It's because they want a physical representation of the product they bought. Um, and I just genuinely believe that if you make stuff available to everyone, it's actually the easiest way to defeat piracy because you are encouraging people to support you. Um, so while I'm sure I've lost some units by making it available on YouTube, I also think I have gained some units. And I know that because we have the metrics on Ori and the Blind Forest um, and have seen like the conversions based on people who have maybe you've discovered the album on YouTube, but then like they've clicked link by the album here and then they go and buy it. Um, but I could be wrong, um, but it's happened on two, it's, it's happened on two albums now. And I think that's a trend that I think we're going to see more and more of moving forward. Um, and it helps, um, and it helps composers like grow their channels as well and grow their social media and online, online presence, um, which, uh, which helps us further down the line, obviously when we're releasing new content. Mm. It's definitely an interesting take. I, I, it, like you say, it probably works for music. I don't I, I can't imagine, you know, um, making games freely available will stop piracy like in, in the same way, but, um, but music. No, no, for, 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 for games. Yeah. I think, I think the way we consume music now is, is very, very different to even yeah. just how we were doing it 10 years. The, the game delivery is going to be the traditional download for a long time. Um, because the fact is, is our internet connection is just not good enough to stream games, but music, I mean, you can fit 40,000 songs on, on a flash drive now and it's, it's, it's nothing. Um, so, the way we consume music is 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 different and uh i'm trying to get ahead of the curve and obviously if i'm putting it all on youtube it gets a tremendously positive reaction and i don't think it's a bad thing when people think of you and uh, they think oh yeah gareth he's uh he made his uh he made his album available on youtube the thing is it's available on bandcamp as well you can stream it on bandcamp and bandcamp's had that philosophy since day one um and Bandcamp is like a really strong place for independent musicians um because their their payout and their their revenue split is the most generous in the industry um so it's it's something um it's something that's still evolving but i think again i think it's about embracing the community rather than shutting them off because streaming is here to stay it's not going anywhere um so we might as well 
get ahead of the curve and instead of having other people upload and rip our soundtracks the composers and creators or the record labels should be doing it themselves Fair enough. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time today, um, so I, I'm going to ask one last question kind of about Ori in the Blind Forest, which we've heard uh, heard mentioned like several times throughout the episode. Um, how did that? How did your process on that differ to Ark? Like, what, what were your inspirations for for Ori in the Blind Forest? Because I, I I have to confess, I still haven't played Ori in the Blind Forest, but I've heard so many good things about the soundtrack. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so. Ori was a, a very fun game to score because I had a completely open brief, um, and you've seen uh, you've seen the visuals for the game. Um, I really connect with visuals when I'm writing music. Like the stronger the visuals are, generally the better the music I write. Um, so what a gift of a game to get because it's a pretty fantastic looking game. Um, the influences. We didn't even have any temp music. Um, maybe, maybe like a handful of tracks by uh, Tom Newman, and I think like one from Avatar that they really liked. But overall, I had free reign to like do whatever I wanted as long as it worked emotionally. It always comes back to the emotion because we're at the end of the day, like we are scoring, but really we're we're, we're storytellers. Um, all composers are storytellers. All composers should be storytellers. Um, my approach to the game it was similar for arc, but the, the main difference is that Ori is pretty tightly scripted. Um, it gives it's, 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 it's good in its use to smoke and mirrors in that you can, you feel like you're in this big open world, but actually the, the path, um, you're kind of funneled down certain paths. Um, and it's done in a subtle way to make you feel like you've got freedom, but actually we're kind of, uh, pushing you from one area to the next. Um, so, just the opening of the the game, um, the prologue. So the first 10 minutes of the game is basically like an interactive short film. And there are 22 different cues that play over this 10 minutes. But it really should just feel like three or four pieces of music. Um, so on Arc, while I said I was like taking a big picture approach, in, in Ori, I was sometimes taking a big picture approach but like also trying to fine-tune the music to like change based on situations that ori was in um because again ori is a singular journey but because we had control over that singular journey like we know when a player is going to enter this room we know when a player is going to encounter this monster um it meant we could trigger different music and have it play at the correct place and uh, kind of guarantee that the player would have the right experience each time. Um, but So the biggest difference for me, I, I was very, very hands-on with the implementation for Ori. Um, I had full access to the game engine. I had full access to tweaking all the values. It was fantastic, although it did add a bunch more work for me because Ori is has about 125 minutes of music. Um, but... I had control over the placement of all of it, and it meant I could really fine-tune the experience and make sure all of the transitions were perfect um, and make sure the flow from one scene to another worked well. I think that also the one big difference 
with my approach on Ori um, is well, my approach for the game. Uh, a lot of composers, when they, when I think when they, when they get a project, they have like this long list of cues. Like you've got to do the music for level one, level two, level three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and you kind of like have this checklist of music that you're trying to complete. I mean, that's that's not unusual, um, but someone's got to go back and make sure that not only the music for each level works well, but also how does the overall arc work? Like, does the music flow smoothly from level one all the way through to level 10? Does it feel connected? Someone's got to test that because your game tester isn't going to do it. Um, Your game tester is simply going to note the bug, like the music doesn't play here correctly, or the volume of the music here doesn't play correctly. They're not looking for like the emotional subtext of the music from level one right to the final boss of the game. Um, so someone's got to take care of that. Um, and on Ori, it was, was me. Ideally, you have an audio director to help you, but the audio team to Ori uh, was me, uh, Andrew Lackey, the sound designer, and two, two other sound designers. So uh, the bandwidth was somewhat lacking because Ori was a, was a, was a low-budget game. Um, so I ended up testing all of the music implementation myself, and uh, fortunately, it came out pretty good. <laughs> How are you hoping to build on that for uh, Will of the Wisps? Is there anything that you kind of didn't get to do last time that you want to, or is there anything that you that you thought, right, I'm not doing that again? Um, I think, uh, well, well, I think um, it really will... I have to be careful what I say here. <laughs> um, so it will really depend on um, on the scope of the game. I I think um, if I go back to Ori in the Blind Forest, we have these uh, we have these chase sequences, um, which are really intense interactive uh, uh and you've got you've got to use your all of your abilities that you've learned up into that point in the game to like get through these very intense sequences. Um, now the music I just ha- I had playing during these sequences um, was just a simple loop with uh, the melody on top, and I would probably like to do something a little bit more nuanced in terms of how it plays back. Like the further towards the end you get, uh, the more intense the music is. Um, but on the other hand. Again, I look at the feedback for the music and it's like, I love this music. Uh, it kept me going even when I died for the hundredth time. Um, so it's it's one of those things like, do you change what works or, um, you know, or, you, you know, or do, you, do you run the risk of trying to fix something that isn't broken? Um, I think the main thing I'm looking forward to for Will of the Wisps, um, if you've seen the trailer for the, for the new game, um, the the final shot is of Ori and uh, and the baby owl, and uh, I am looking forward to uh, developing uh, a second theme for the owl. Um, so it'll be kind of it'll be kind of it's just going to be kind of fun to expand on the themes that were done in or in the blind forest and also try and add something new to them. It's 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 the ba- It's my first time doing a sequel. And it's the battle between I've got to make it new but familiar, um, and that's something I've got to, to wrap my head around in the in the coming months. Nice, excellent, Gareth. Thank you so much for your time today. That was uh, that was absolutely fantastic. 
Great, no problem. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, however you're listening, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, pretty much all your good podcasting platforms um you can find these episodes obviously at our, our website you can find us on twitter at gi biz we're on facebook as well um, search for games entry international and obviously you can find all of your news analysis and insight at games industry.biz. Mm-hmm.